Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, the title of today's message is Dig a Little Deeper. Go ahead and elbow the person sitting next to you, tell them, I hope you brought your shovel today. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. See, I know it's a very bold way to start this service, but I believe that the best things in life are not lived at the surface level. Uh, I believe anywhere you look in life, the, the, the best things in life are not lived at a surface level. In fact, church, living church at a surface level should be a criminal act. Because you can come in and you could just do the thing where you like show up halfway through the worship set and sit in the back and hear a couple songs and listen to, a, to a, a, someone get up here and talk and leave and that, that's church at a surface level. But if you dig a little bit, you can see that you're sitting next to some screwed up people. And yeah, it's true. Don't fool yourself. You are screwed up, Okay. And you can bring your own screwed up self with all of your experiences and you can bring your giftings and your abilities. And when you bring them to the table with the person sitting next to you bringing their abilities to the table, with the person next to you bringing their abilities to the table, then you realize that there's something deeper that can take place. There's something big that can happen. There's something on a whole nother level that God wants to see happen in a church place. So then you look on TV and you see crises happen. Like, like just, just over a month ago, we saw what took place with the floods in Louisiana. And for so many people, you look at that and you can leave it at a shallow level of going, well, it would be nice if we could do something. And then you change the channel and it's left at a very surface level. But you join together with the church, and when you're bringing what you have, and I bring what I have, and the person behind you brings what they have, we bring these resources together, then we can actually do something about it. And what I know a lot of you know this, but there's many of you in this room that don't know this, is that because we've come together as a church and we've dug a little bit deeper, we have resourced a, a a missions group called Convoy of Hope to where the whole time you're watching on the news about what's taking place in Louisiana, we've got boots on the ground and we've got resources in the hands of churches and pastors in Louisiana helping them right now. So it's like, you can live life at a surface level and go, wow, that's really a bummer, and change the channel. And you can come into a church service and go, wow, that was neat. I give them like a six today. Last week was certainly better, but like I'll, I'll give them a six today and keep it at that level. Or, or you can dig a little bit deeper. See, your relationship with Jesus is something that you could keep at a surface level. Like, you know, I, I like Jesus, I've read about him, I think he's cool, and you could keep it at a surface level of being a fan of Jesus. But Jesus isn't interested in any fans, he's interested in followers. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you can find that your life could be given to him because he's given all of himself to you so that you could give all of yourself to him. Anything worth living in life is worth digging a little bit deeper and digging beyond the surface. Let me ask you, how many of you are married in this room today? That's the response I get. 
Like, guys, let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let, me help, let me help the guys out here for a second, okay? I just teed one up for you because if I say, are you married? Every man in this room should be like, whoa, I'm married. I love my wife. Yeah, baby. That is a chance for you to score points. And in marriage, you're always trying to score points because when you score points in marriage, you score points in marriage, okay? So I'm, I'm trying to help you here, right? Got to dig a little bit deeper there. Now, let me ask you this. How, how many single adults do I have in the room? Single adults. There you go. You're excited. Now, now what's cool about that is you're pumped. You put your hand up. But every one of you, you know you wanted to look around, but you kept it like straight forward, like um, the eyes straight forward. It's going to be like, I ain't looking that way. Let me, let me help you out. I'm going to give you a church pickup line this weekend. This could help you, sing the adults. Try this one on for size, okay? You'd be like, oh, my Bible's not complete. Yeah, because I'm in the book of Numbers and yours isn't in there. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you try that. Ru- Russet could work. You try that, man. Try it. But I don't know what that had to do with anything. But back to the message. Like, even marriage, at a surface level, I mean, it can very quickly turn into it's just a business relationship. Now we're just cab drivers for these little people who eat our food, you know? But, but you dig a little bit deeper and you can see that it goes beyond, you know, what Hollywood would say, beyond what the television says, beyond what all the stuff you read on the news is. And you could realize that, that if you dig a little deeper and you bring Jesus right into the middle of it, two people, two completely different people can actually, every day of their lives, grow closer and closer with one another. That's why I'm, a, I'm totally for giving people as a wedding gift a gift shovel, right? Because you don't need nine toasters anyways. But if you can just go into a marriage with an attitude of, you know what, I'm willing to dig a little bit. I'm willing to fight a little bit, not just with her, but like for her, then, then, then your marriage can dig into something different. Now, see, we get this from Jesus. Like Jesus sets the stage for all this. I mean, if you pay attention to Jesus' teachings, he teaches us that, that life is not lived at the surface level. In fact, the context of this, we see in, in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus is talking, it's the Sermon on the Mount, many of you know about it as the Beatitudes, and he talks about how to have a blessed life, and a lot of people try to keep a relationship with Jesus on the surface level. It's like, the more I do, somehow if I can do enough, then that would be good, and Jesus is going, no, 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 it has nothing to do with what you do, it has to do with who you are, who you are in me, and he starts teaching us this, that it's at a deeper level. Matthew 5, 3 says, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, to mourn means you actually have to go through something. And then when you go through something, God can go through it with you and he can comfort you. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then check this next statement out for this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, nowhere in Jesus' teachings do you see him say, you know what, blessed are the people who are like totally cool with just being exactly how they are. 
Blessed are the people who just want things to stay exactly the same and they just want to be comfortable and never stretched out of their zone. Blessed are the people who, you know, they're just, they're just fine with doing today the exact same way they did yesterday. No, no, he shows us that, that really to have a blessed life, to have an intimate relationship with him, we've got to dig a little bit deeper. See, as a Christ follower, you have to make a decision to reject the status quo and say, you know what, I, I, I'm, the status quo is that I'm just going to leave things at a surface level. And you've got to make a decision and say, I'm going to reject that and I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. See, do you know that it's against our own natural human propensities to dig? Because we want the stuff, we want the blessing, but we don't want to work for it. We don't want to dig for it. I want the business. I want to be a business owner, but I don't want the sleepless nights that go with that. I want to be the boss, but I don't want to be concerned about making payroll so other families can feed their kids as well. Like I, I want these things. I want the success, but I don't want the story that goes with it. I want the Instagram followers, but I, I don't want to have to delete and filter off all of reality that's actually taking place. Like we want the stuff, but we don't want the burden that actually goes with it. So because of this, we have an entire generation who has lost the ability to fight. We say, I, I want the huge building. I want the building. And then you find out, wait a minute, the bigger the building, that means the deeper you have to dig into the ground. Oh, well, then uh, I don't think I want that. Maybe I don't really want that. See, there, there's a saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But unfortunately, what's happened in our culture is the saying has changed to when the going gets tough, I'm just going to find somewhere else to go. So we get this attitude of going, I'm not willing to dig any deeper, so since I'm uncomfortable here, I'm moving on. And it's like, well, this, this church maybe not is working for me, like, so I'm just going to find another one. And maybe it wasn't the church. Or, or this relationship isn't working for me, so I'm just going to find another one and Maybe not. Maybe this marriage isn't working for me, so I'm just going to find a new marriage. But the problem with that is, like, you look at the problems in a relationship. You look at the problem in your church. You look at the problem in your marriage. And when you go into the next area, when you go into the next marriage, the next church, you know what you bring with you? You. You bring you with you. And if you try to go through life at a surface level and just go, you know what, I've got this this attitude of a quitting spirit. I'm not going to stick with it. Like as soon as, as soon as I don't like this anymore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the next thing. It, it bugs me because there's a commercial on TV right now that just bothers me because there was a spokesperson for one business and now all of a sudden he's like, I quit too and I'm a spokesperson for another business. And, and that speaks to our generation. It's like you go through a little difficulty, you go through a little bit of what you don't want, and it's fine. Just quit. Just rip your roots out of the ground. Just keep it at a surface level. You don't have to have any depth. You don't have to have any character. You don't have to have any integrity. And Jesus teaches us, no, no, I want you to dig in. I want you to dig a little bit deeper. I've got so much more for you than that. And see, the problem is, we, we look, though, sometimes and go, well, I'm trying to dig, and it doesn't look like anything's happening. And you look back just a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jericho. I love the story of Jericho. And what did we talk about? The people are walking around the city, and it's like, it's like I don't see anything happening. Can you dig in enough, a little bit past the surface level, to believe that even on the surface, where it looks like nothing's happening, 
God might be working somewhere at a whole nother level. He might be digging in deeper and he's waiting for you to get down to the level where he is working on your behalf. I can tell you, um, when I was younger, I used to write things off really quickly. And it, let me just tell you right now, I don't have this figured out. <laughs> I still write things off way too quickly, but I was worse at this when I was younger. And, and I can tell you, there were times when like, I, I, I was zealous. Like I wanted to see my friends get saved. I wanted to see them come to church with me and stuff. So I, I, I didn't understand that God had his own timing, and his timing was different than my timing. So I would do things where like, I would invite a friend to come to church with me. I'm like, man, you got to come to church with me. It's, it's so awesome. It's going to be cool. And I had this friend, he's like, ah, man, you believe a lot of weird stuff. I'm not coming to church with you. And like, whatever, Dan. And I'm like, so I'm like whatever you, man, forget it. You know, whatever. Like, I invite you, you blow me off, I'm done with you, you know. And, and I had this attitude, like, I tried once, and I wasn't good, it, it wasn't good enough then, I'm not trying again. And I felt like the Holy Spirit started speaking to me, just kind of impressed on me. It's not like an audible voice or anything, but he just started impressing to me. He's going, Dan, maybe this is the time to dig a little deeper, to, to go past the surface on this and to to keep digging, to keep asking, to keep talking to your friend about it. So I, I, I talked to him again, and I'd get frustrated because I'm like, man, we've got this really cool thing going on this weekend. Why don't you come check it out with us? There's, like, uh, there's a concert going on, and there's going to be some Christians there. And, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. And every time I'm like, you know, like fine. But God's telling me, no, keep it up, keep it up, keep asking, keep it up. Eighteen months later, I'm at the front of our worship center in the other building, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's that friend I've been inviting. I look, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and I look, I'm like, what? you finally came. He goes, yeah, Mark invited me. I'm like, what? So I was like, well, fine, sit with Mark. I got nothing to do with you, whatever. I'm over here on myself. You know, <laughs> no, you, you know, I hugged him. I was like, man, I'm so glad you're here. I love you. I'm so pumped you're here. And the thing is, God was having to show me there are certain things in life where you got to dig a little bit. You might be here today checking out this whole church thing and going, I don't know about this. you got to dig a little bit because I believe God wants every one of his followers to be part of a church community. I met a guy last week, and he was digging because he came to church. He came here. He, 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 know, he feels God is like calling him into a relationship. So he showed up at church and he had some questions. He was weirded out, to be honest. He's like, there's people down there and they got their hands in their air. What in the world is that about? <laughs> and you know what most people who are not willing to dig would do? They go, that was weird, and they leave. But this man, he said, no, 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 I'm going to dig a little bit. I'm going to see what this is about. And he asked me some questions. It's like, man, we're all so messed up. We've all got so much junk against us, but our God loves us so much that he forgives us, and he accepts us right where we are. So those people with their hands in there, they're putting their hands in there because they're going, the least I can do is express some love to my heavenly Father who loves someone who, who, who doesn't deserve love. The only reason I deserve love is because he says I do. So if he loves me, I'm going to raise my hand. And the guy's like, that's awesome. I'm going to be there on Sunday. That's awesome. Why? Because he, he, he dug a little bit. 
Maybe you've been inviting a friend just like that story and you go, well, I've invited him over and over and over again. I've invited her over and over and over again. It's getting weird now. And I wonder, like, is the enemy trying to tell you, ah, keep it at the surface level. It's just, you know, it's just getting awkward now. Maybe we need to dig a little bit deeper. See, Jesus knew this, by the way. He knew that you and I, we would want the stuff without wanting the source. We, we would want the blessing without the, the burden, the trial. See, well, we're the only group of people that would point out, and point out the layers and layers and layers of sin on someone, but be unwilling to stick through it with someone as they go through the layers and layers and layers of grace that God wants to deliver them through. And I believe in our church that God is changing that in the hearts and the lives of the men and women that are in this room of going, you know what, we are people who it doesn't matter how deep you are in, doesn't matter how much junk you've been through, I'm going to stick through it with you, I'm going to dig in with you, and I'm going to show you God's love and grace and mercy even when it gets difficult. Because Jesus knew that you and I wouldn't want to do that. He knew that we'd want the stuff without the source. So in John 6, there's actually... The setting here, the context of this is that Jesus is followed around by a group of fans. People that like, they're going, this dude's healing people. This dude, he's got like, there's miracles happening and stuff like that. And I want the miracles. I want, the, the, I, I want all the stuff he could give me. But, but Jesus knew he, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They just wanted the stuff. So Jesus would say these really weird, these, let's be honest, these things he said sounded crazy sometimes. Why? Because he wanted to see who's willing to dig a little bit and go beyond just being a fan of mine to being a follower of mine. And Jesus, one time with a group of these people who were following around, asking him all these weird questions, just wanting stuff from him but not wanting anything to do with the relationship with God. Uh, Jesus turns around at one point and says something. He says this in John chapter 6, verse Verse 53, it says, Jesus said to them, Verily, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. If Je- you know, if Jesus had a PR guy, he's like tugging on his robe and going, Jesus, not the blood thing. Like, come on. But apparently, Jesus didn't care one bit about PR. And it gets worse than this. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. See, someone brought a friend today and you're like, is this really the passage that we're talking about right now? Just just stick with me, okay? (laughs) Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now go to verse 66. This is like the understatement of the century. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned their backs and no longer followed him. Right? Why? Do do you know why this was? Because the headline was cannibalism. Flesh eating. But you dig a little bit deeper and you get into the story and you see the narrative. And the story here is radical love. 
and radical forgiveness and a God who wants to have a relationship with you, the king of heaven and earth, saying, I know you need other things, but if you understood how much I love you, how much I I care for you, how much I want to provide for you, if you just choose me because I'm giving myself, all of me to you, if you give all of you to me, then you will never need another thing again. So the headline we see here is cannibalism, but you dig a little bit deeper and you see that there is a God who, who so intimately wants to know you. And there are some of you in this room today that you've kept your relationship with Jesus at this surface level. It's like, well, why are you at church? Well, it's Sunday. You're right? That's what you do on Sundays. I mean, we, we go to church on Sunday, and so I... I came here, and I guess we were a little bit late, and I got the kids in the back, and we're going to, you know, the football game starting. And, and, and I wonder, do you know, do you know that Jesus is saying these things because he wants us to understand he's not looking for fans. He's not looking for people who are like, ooh, I like Jesus. He's looking for people who go, the God of this universe, the king of heaven and earth, gave every bit of himself to me. Just, and I, I could give every bit of myself back to him, and I could receive everything that he has. He actually loves me, and he wants an intimate relationship with me. But you got to dig a little bit deeper before you ever see that. you got to dig a little bit deeper before you ever recognize that that your God loves you. I wonder, have you kept it, have you fallen victim to keeping it shallow when it comes to your relationship with Jesus? You know, how many of you remember going to middle school dances? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Are we that old? Seriously. <laughs> it's so funny because at a middle school dance, like, you buy the ticket and get in the door. You get all the gear. You're like, you're wearing your coolest stuff. But what happens in a middle school dance? We all get in like these groups over here where we're like acting cool and we ain't doing nothing. Like, heaven forbid a girl look in our direction over here. That would be freaky. So we're just like, I'm just over here. And every once in a while, like the cool song comes on. So, so you, someone reaches out there and grabs their brave friend and pushes them into the middle of the group. So you like, he gives a little dance move and he's like, okay, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I fear that in our, in our culture, someone just asks, is that the sprinkler? Yes, that is my one dance move. That is the sprinkler. See, I fear as Christ followers, we can fall into this trap of the middle school dance. When we've got a God who, who's invited us in, and what we do is, it's like we got tickets to get into the dance, and we've got all the gear on, we got all the stuff, and we get in there, and no one's dancing. In the middle of the room, you got, you got the king of heaven and earth going, guys, there's room here. Like, get in here and dance with me. I didn't just save you so you could just get in the room. I didn't just save you so you could buy the gear. I saved you so you could live your life. I saved you so you could dance. I saved you so that those dreams that seem crazy to everybody else, you could get right out there in the middle of the dance floor and work those dreams, and I will be right there dancing with you. Our God called you into a life that is so beautiful and so powerful and so big, but it's never going to happen on a surface level. 
it's not going to happen on this. Well, uh, I guess I'll just, uh, I'll just spend a little bit of time with God, if, I, I guess because that's what you're supposed to do, right? I want to give you two things. I mean, we're, we're out of time. I want to give you two points before we leave today. And we're going to sing a song before we leave today too. But two points of how to keep your relationship growing. How, how, to, how, how to dig a little bit deeper. And because I don't know about you. Maybe you're like me where I, like many of you in this room, I've fallen victim to keeping my life at a surface level when it comes to my relationship with Jesus at times. You know, like, you know, just going to church, you know, listening to a worship song every once in a while. Read, like reading the Bible, but I'm like trying to find the f- smallest passage, the smallest chapter I can find so I can just like check it off my list that like I did it that day. But there is something so much more beautiful than that that God wants for us. Two, two ways to dig a little bit deeper in your relationship with God. Number one, commit to believe even when it makes you uncomfortable. Write this down. Take a picture of it. Whatever. Like, don't forget this. Commit to believe even when it makes you uncomfortable. I believe so many of us have been fed this wrong line that, that somehow our feelings matter. That, that like, yes, God has given you your emotions and your feelings as a gauge for you in life, but, but we think that somehow our relationship with God is some sort of diplomatic process. It's like, well, I'm, I feel like, like that is not something I want to do, so I'm not going to do that. That makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do that. But to dig a little bit deeper, we have to recognize that if God is God, then he is God of all. So we've got to do the things that make us uncomfortable. If he said it, then we've got to do it. See, there are things in your life that, that if we were honest, there are probably certain parts of our faith that you wish weren't part of our, parts of our faith. There, there are parts of our faith that you're like, well, I, I agree with God when he says this and this and this and this, but man, I wish he didn't say that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really want to do that because that makes me feel uncomfortable. That would be a stretch for me. I, I don't necessarily want to do that. Look what Jesus did in John 6 here. When he's got a whole bunch of people, now remember, they're, he, just said, he just said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They're all like, that's weird. And then, then he says this, aware that the disciples were grumbling about this. So now they're, 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 they're frustrated, they're trolling, they're posting on Facebook, they're insta-shaming now, okay? Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? They're like, See, modern day pastoral care here would be like we, we go to people and, and be like, well, are you offended? I'm so sorry you're hurt. What's going on? Jesus didn't do that at all. He's like, uh, yeah, I said something that frustrated. Does that offend you? <laughs> like he doubles down on it here and says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I've, uh, <clears throat> the words that I've spoken to you They are full of the spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. So what we see, and I love this about Jesus, is like he doubles down on the offensive content because he loves us so much. He's like, I love you so much that I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear because he doesn't care so much about our feelings of being good. He actually cares about you being righteous. He actually cares about you having fullness of your life. Because see, we got a culture who, it's like the, the whole voice or the X-factor culture where it's like we're putting God on audition, seeing like, 
um, do I really want what you have, God? So we like got our chairs turned around and we're like, um, prosperity, love it, love it, I want that, I want that, yeah, prosperity, okay. Um, peace, yes, I'll take peace, that's good, that's good, I want some peace, yeah, yeah. Health, oh, I love health, I want health, that's awesome. Okay, uh, sexual purity. Hmm. How about a uh, non-pharisaical, non-judgmental spirit? Mm. Mm. But uh, wait, you said blessings? I'll take blessings. Yeah, I'll take blessings. It's like what we want to do is we want to say, okay, God, you can be God over certain areas of my life, but maybe not over the other areas of my life. But if you want to dig past the surface, you are going to have to commit to believe even when it makes you uncomfortable because sometimes it's the very thing that you're uncomfortable with that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you in. The Holy Spirit is trying to change you in and trying to grow you in. You go, man, I wish the Bible didn't say anything about having to serve and take my time and meet others' needs. I wish the Bible didn't say anything about being in a small group, a community of other believers and encouraging one another. Because I would rather just do things on my own. I wish the Bible didn't say anything about us meeting together uh, regularly as the followers of Christ. Because I'd rather just go to the mountains this weekend. And it's like we have all these things. Like Since I'm uncomfortable with that, I don't want to choose to follow God there. But the truth is, if God is God of all, then he's God of all. You go, wow, that's deep theology, right? But, but if you want to dig past the surface, you got to commit to dig in, to believe, even when it's uncomfortable. Number two, to dig in in your relationship with God, you got to commit to dig in when your faith is confronted. Commit to dig in, even when your faith is confronted. What do you do when your faith is confronted? Let me say it another way. What do you do when your experience does not match up with what you believe? You say, well, I believe God is a healer, but my loved one died. You know, I believe that God is a protector, but I was abused. I believe that God is in control, but my life feels like chaos right now. What do you do then? Can I humbly offer you this one suggestion? You've got to commit to dig in even when your faith is confronted. Because the truth is, a lot of times, it's actually those moments when your faith is confronted, when, when you can begin to experience the presence of God like never before. It's those moments that are difficult where you can start to understand his love for you and the fact that he's there for you. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's that same time, if you keep it at a shallow level, it's those same experiences that would cause most people to go, I don't know about this, and walk away. And I run into people that say, you know, I used to worship, but. I used to believe, but. Like, what happened? So you've got to commit to dig in even when your faith is confronted. So you've got to make a decision today to not allow your experiences to dictate your belief, but instead to allow the truth to dictate your experiences. Like, are, are you willing to believe what God says about you, what, what he says is true, even if when you look around sometimes it doesn't feel like that's what you're seeing around you? 
So what do you do when you, when you believe one thing, but you, your experience is something different? Let me lighten this up a little bit. My, my daughter and I, in fact, my whole family, this last spring, we decided we were going to go on a bike ride on the riverfront trail. And sometimes we'll, we'll ride downtown, eat at a restaurant, and ride back. And, and we were coming back from a restaurant, and Kayla, my 10-year-old, is very competitive. And I pulled her aside, and I kind of had like a little whisper break with her. And I said, listen, I think we could whoop mom and Rachel on the way back to the truck, right? You think so? And she's like, really? You think so? Like, like I'm kind of tired. And I said, I said this. I said, listen, Kayla, I believe you're skilled enough. I believe you're strong enough. I believe you've got it in you. you got the fortitude. You can do this. You can stick with me. I believe it. Do you believe it? She's like, yeah, I believe it. And I said, then we don't even need to tell them that this race started. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's go. She's like, yeah, I got it, Dad, I got it. I was like, you believe it? You believe we can whoop him? I got it. I got it. And all the while knowing that she was going to experience some things that defied what I just said was true about her. Knowing she was going to experience some being tired. She was going to experience the fact that her sister might catch up with her. She's going to experience some things that, that, that defy what I said is true about her. But I said, let's do it. And we started pedaling, and we're going, and she's kind of in front of me, and I'm kind of in front of her. And I look back, and, and Amelie and Rachel realize what's going on, so they are catching up fast. And I'm pedaling, and she's pedaling. We're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. And, and, and I get out in front, and as soon as I get out in front, I hear a crash. And I turn around, and my, my beautiful little 10-year-old girl, she is laying on the ground bawling, and she's got blood coming off her knee, and she's got tears running down her face, and I went over to her, and I'm like, get up, we gotta go! No, no, I'm just, I'm just, come on, right? Like, I, I hugged her up, I'm like, girl, I'm so sorry that happened. I, I hugged her, I kissed her, I wiped her tears away, and I said, you got a choice. You can believe that this crash just ended the race for us. Or you can believe what I said about you, what your dad just said about you is truer than what you just experienced. And she kind of, she's wiping her eyes. She's like, what? And I'm like, do you believe you still got it in you to win this race? Because I believe you do. She's like, I got it, Dad. I got it, Dad. And we got back up on our bikes and Mom's coming to see what happened. And we're already going again because we're in a race right now. And don't you know, we won that race. We won that race. You got to dig beyond your failures. I say, wait a minute, is this about your daughter? No. But I believe that there's a lot of you in this room that, that you've been knocked over. There's a lot of you that, that your faith was confronted, that, that you believe something and and yet, sometimes the experiences of life felt different than what you believe. And I believe that today could be a day, it could be the beginning of a new season where you say, you know what, I'm going to get up again, and I'm going to believe what God says about me is true, and I'm going to believe he's good, and I'm going to believe that he still has a plan for me, and I'm going to believe what he says about me over the painful experiences that I've faced in my own life. I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me. We're about to sing a song together, so I don't want anyone to leave. We've got a couple minutes left. I don't want anyone to leave until we, we finish this service together. Uh, we're going to sing a song together, kind of in declaration before we leave. But first, I want to give you an opportunity, because I believe there's some of you in this room today that, that you've kept your relationship with God at such a surface level that if you were to be honest, you'd say, you know what? 
I don't have a relationship with God. Like, I, I go to church, but Jesus isn't my Savior. I, I go to church, but I, I don't talk to Jesus. I, 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 I like every once in a while I'll come here and message, but I've never asked God to forgive me of my sins. So what I want to do right now is I want to invite every person in this room, bow your head, close your eyes. If that's you and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because we're not going to do anything strange. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable, but I want to lead you in a prayer where you can take your, your church experience past the surface and you can today begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if that's you today, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you can do it here in just a moment. Two, he loves you and he has got his arms extended for you. Three, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus, put your hand up high in the sky so I can pray for you right now. Thank you for your hands. I see, I see those hands. I see those hands. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to ask every person in this room to repeat this prayer after me. And, and as, as we pray this prayer so no one feels uncomfortable, we're going to ask Jesus Christ to become the Savior of our lives. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now we're going to confess that Jesus is Lord and we're going to believe that God raised him from the dead to pay the price for our sins. So would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. So today, I pray that you would forgive me and be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe you rose again so that I could have a home forever in heaven with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Put your hands back up. I saw some hands go up. Let's celebrate with you right now. Congratulations. Congratulations, man. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.